I just really an honor to be with you. Thank you so much, Pastor. Um, Pastor Rice really loves you, and uh, he loves Canada. I think every time someone says something about Canada, for a West Virginia American to start crying almost every time he talks about the country of Canada, uh, that's what Brother Rice does, and he is, he's all in with you and has embraced your culture, your people, and, uh, and he loves you very much. And I believe our church here, the church here loves, uh, loves you and certainly thankful, and you coming is a big deal, and we thank you very much for, for being a part of that. Uh, pastors asked me to talk a little bit about laboring together on another man's foundation. And yesterday I talked to you a tad bit about uh, leading through distractions. And I referenced helping, uh, including other men in the set thing. And our time got away with us and I did not do a good job with that. But um, Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and that's of course labors together with God, talked about this concept because the people of, of Corinth were carnal Apostle Paul spent 18 months with them was a year and a half with them but they were the big city people they were the people that had good jobs good occupations but they had a very pagan culture matter of fact they say uh, if people were really a, an immoral pervert they would say you oh, you you have been Corinthianized you've been made like the people of Corinth it was a very foul uh, place um, but uh, Paul, when he went there, he didn't even speak very much until Paul or until Silas and Timothy came. Then he opened his mouth and then it brought a bruja there in the uh, in the synagogue and he left them and went next door to Crispus's house. And there he stayed there in the synagogue. And while he was there that night, after after things went 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 awry in the synagogue, the Bible says that the Lord came to him and said, Lord, uh, Paul be not afraid and the reason he told him not to be afraid because he was afraid <laughs> and I think especially about taking another beating he had already just left Athens and he got made fun of there and the, probably the jokes and the, the mocking there probably affected him adversely as well but he said I, I he said I want you not to be afraid he said no one's going to hurt you here you no one's going to hurt you you're not going to be in jail you're not going to get hurt in, in Corinth because I have much people in this city. In this wicked, the darker the night, the brighter the light. I got much people here. And no one's going to hurt you. And so he stayed there for 18 months with the confidence that God had given him that he wasn't going to be hurt there. Um, and it doesn't mean he didn't go through some hardships. And it looks like they were hard heads in Corinth. But when he left, they went a little goofy. And went, uh, they began to, they, they, they definitely had some bad teachers. They had some bad attitudes. They had lawsuits within the church, airing out the dirty laundry in front of unsaved judges and jurors and bailiffs and, and attorneys and things of that nature. They had an immoral uh, thing that everybody knew about that no one was willing to confront the guy about. So there was a lot of challenges. There was stinginess. Uh, he had to tell them about giving and remind them about that. There was false teaching about the resurrection. And um, he had to use chapter 15 to correct that. Um, lots of problems. Immorality, immaturity, carnality uh, was, was definitely prevalent in the church. At and I think you probably referenced, you could probably see he probably wrote four letters to the church at Corinth minimum that are referenced in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. But two of the letters, God and put them in the Holy Scriptures, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 
he tells in First Corinthians, he said, I've already written to you once in a letter to, to correct this, but you guys have not responded well. Here's my another letter. And he kind of chapter chapter, you know, first Corinthians rips her face off and, and corrects, tries to correct things. Almost any problem you have in the local church, the church at Corinth had it, you know, and and he does strategically deals with each of those. And it's a good time to go through those the book of first Corinthians in a church when things are fairly smooth, in my opinion. You don't want to go through the book of first Corinthians to deal with problems. You like to go through that, in my opinion, when things are going fairly smoothly so that you'll know how to deal with them when they come. If you go through it when you're having problems, everybody's going to think you're going to be, you're poking at their situation. But I do think it, you can avoid it. If you go to 1 Corinthians, you're going to deal with many situations anyway. But it's good. And then 2 Corinthians, of course, much more a comforting book, drawing their heart toward comfort, prayer, dependence upon the Lord, um, uh, sustaining through trials, giving, uh, you know, the difficulties of the Apostle Paul, still defending his apostleship with some loud mouths there in, um, you know, some arrogant uh, leaders in the church, but uh, a very, a very different, different tenor in Second Corinthians. But he did tell them, you know, he said, look, I have, I have planted, Apollos watered, but at the end of the day, God give the increase. And those that plant and those that water are one. Uh, we're laborers together with God. <clears throat> and building upon another man's foundation uh, and coming in after someone, many of you are pastoring churches that you started. And uh, this is the, you, your church plant. You had a pioneer spirit and you church planted. You planted a place. And I so admire that. I don't have enough guts to start a church myself. I just take the messes of other people. And... and, uh, <laughs> and uh, no, I, I really, I'm just joking about that. But um, I, I just, I, I admire people that can start a church. And I believe in church planting. And we've started churches in Chicago over the last two years. A couple of churches in Cicero and replanted one. Started another one in New Chicago and different places. I, I believe, I believe it's God's job that healthy mothers have babies. And healthy churches ought to spin off babies and ought to do it. And it takes a lot out of mama to have a baby. Financially, you lose strength, you lose leaders, a lot of challenges. But it's good when those babies grow up and they go on to have more babies <laughs> and they go on to do greater and, and to make an impact where the archer can't go. Uh, the Bible is happy as a, as a man that hath his quiver full of children because they will make an impact where the archer can't come. They're arrows to be shot out to, to, to do something and punch holes in, in the darkness with the gospel of Christ. So it's good to support that. But for those of us who maybe come in after someone else to pastor a church, I'm going to give you a couple thoughts, and then I'm going to turn open it up to some of your thoughts in regards to that. I think they'd be good. We're trying to be done at noon. Is that right? Uh, ten, after. ten after. Okay. Uh, maybe just if I could to refer to your attention to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, if you can. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse number 12. Do I have someone who's already got that there and can read it for us? Anybody there? Okay, Brother Voss, would you read it please, Vossie? All right, let's read it again with him. Can we please, verse number 12, ready? And I turn myself to behold wisdom... 
But what can the man do that cometh after a king? Even. And so he says, you know, what, uh, he says, I turn myself, and once again, I don't, it's kind of a, there's a lot more in the context than, than probably than, than, we, than we'll talk about today. But for uh, just a little bit of a uh, diving board into this topic, Solomon says, boy, I've got to get wisdom. I've got to get wisdom or I'm going to make a mistake here. What can a man do to follow the king and, and tries to deal with what has already been done? And I think it's just a question that, that those of you who will one day step into the shoes of another man who has been there before you. And I, I feel like uh, I'll just give you a few thoughts in regards that some of you will, uh, will assume your, your father's role, maybe. Some of you will come after a very good pastor. Uh, the both churches I've pastored, I followed very good men who made very grave mistakes before they left. And they're good men, but they, they, they you know, didn't have a blowout. There was a slow leak. There was no, there's no blowouts in the Christian life. There's just slow leaks. And God gives you, gives you time usually to hear the sis and sss, and you need to stop and pull over and deal with it. Um, don't let it just keep going or you're going to have a blowout. You will have, you'll, be, you'll be stuck. But I have the, uh, the unfortunate opportunity in some ways to follow up someone who struggled at the end of their pastorate but did a very good job in my opinion, prior to their blowout and to their slow leak and their, their demise. And so that, that's my story. Yours may not be that way. You might follow up with a man who does it. And I think most churches, unfortunately, are fumbled. And uh, it's a football illustration, but when you've when you got a ball, most churches are fumbled. And, and, and when, they get, when there's a fumble on a football field, uh, it's not uncommon for someone to get hurt in the scrum. And then whoever comes out with a ball, you're not sure which end zone they're running into. Okay? And unfortunately, many churches are that way. And there's no preparation. Like David said, he prepared much for his death. And there was a handoff given to... And, and, and a handoff is much better than a fumble. A handoff... And you, you can't pick your next pastor to church, but... Good night in the morning. If you're a leader of a church, you ought to think every day, this is a stewardship from Jesus. Because the church is the Lord's. But don't complicate it by thinking it's your church. You've got to remember, you know, there's no success without some successors. And there needs to be some thought and preparation for what can be the next person and what can they do. You've got to have to gonna deal with your own insecurities about it. Someone might do a better job than you've done. Someone might be able to take it, and hopefully they will. That's what I want. I want, I want my kids to, to far uh, to do much better job in ministry than I've done. I hope they can. I hope they will. I hope I'll, I'll set them up to that. I would hope First Baptist Church of Hammond could be a, could be a really good transition after me. I don't want to build it around me. I want it to build around the Lord Jesus Christ. But I also want to prepare the next guy to, to take it and to be successful in that. And some of you have had great examples of that here in Canada where you can see a good transition and a good handoff. And others of you have seen enough fumbles to say, phew, boy, that church went down after that happened. 
And, and I'm not blaming the predecessor. I'm just saying there needs to be some thought about that and, and some planning toward that. But uh, what happens whenever you succeed uh, a pastor in a church and God brings you to his flock? And I believe this has had, this had a, something I had to kind of remind myself that Jesus is the chief shepherd. We are all under shepherds. That means he manages every flock in the whole world and he's in charge of all the shepherds. And he may want to move someone, by the way, if you pastor people. And I want to just say something. I just want to make sure I'm clear about this. You know, I, when, you get, when you get up here and you start talking, uh, you talk about people, I want to be fed and all that stuff. And I joke around about, you know, your information fat application is going to be. I rarely say that to someone who says that to me, obviously. Okay. But and, and whenever you take complaints and you've got to learn how to accept reproof or admonition or a perspective without becoming terribly defensive, even though they may be absolutely off their rug. You've got to learn to love people. Love is not feeling right about someone. It's making the decision to treat someone right. Okay? And you can't get, you can get smart, Alec, but you'll pay for that one. And it feels good for a second, but they remember everything you said. And they even remember things you didn't say. <laughs> and you've got to really be careful in the context. Love has got to be bled through everything that you're saying. If people say, I'm going to leave, I'm going to go to another church, most of the time, by the time they come tell you that, there's not much you can do. Right. If you can talk them into staying, they'll talk themselves into leaving just a little later. You'll have to learn to say, you know what, I want to keep the door open if I can help you. And I had that happen to me as of two weeks ago. Uh, probably one of my sweetest friends. And, and I, man, we went through some deep, deep trials with them. Matt patched their marriage up, helped them start a ministry. And then they say, you know, Pastor, I just feel like we... I'm, the Spirit of God's telling me to go, and I and I feel so grieved, and I'm not so sure that it's the same Spirit that I feel. But at the same time, I can love them, I text them, I can care for them, I can speak good words to them, and see, you know. And uh, they they I want to I want to keep the light on, and I want to say Lord help them because you know if, if that guy doesn't come back, his kids might, his wife. Might. There may be there may be that slow leak that he's on, that's going to end up in a side in a in a on the side of the high road of holiness, messed up. Well, if I if I really if I make an idiot of myself with them, and I and I close those doors, and I say what I want to say, and act the way I want to act, then I probably will limit my ability to help them if they crash and burn. And there needs to be a lot of wisdom there. I I don't have that wisdom for sure, but. But I, I, I certainly feel like that. And, and I've got to also remember that they were God's and they're not mine. Okay, they're sheep of his pasture. I am a steward of that. And we talked about that a little bit last year. But I think if there's only one word that you can help you in church work is stewardship. Remember, it's the Lord's. And so everything has to, you have to consult the owner. He's the chief shepherd. You don't want to, you know, sometimes in a staff meeting when you've got a lot of guys working with you, Sometimes you just want to say, look, guys, I don't really need any more administrative decisions. I just need help. <laughs> just help me. This all running off on your own and doing your own thing is, is, is creating lots of challenges. I don't need an administrative decision. I need help. And I need you to kind of just get on, get on our page here. If you can't figure it out, then go work for someone else or start your own stuff. But we, gotta, we need some help here. 
And I think God may say that to us sometimes. John, this is not your flock, man. It's not your pulpit. It's not your gospel. It's not your power. These are not your people. These are mine. Remember that. And so if he's the chief shepherd, he has, he has control of every flock and he has control of every shepherd. That's us. And sometimes he can move us to a different place and against our, our, our initial desires. And um, so just a couple things. And he said, what can be done when you follow up with a king who's already done, already, already has a pattern in place, already has done some things? What can be undone? That's the thought there. And of course, we can see many uh, people in the, or we see several uh, illustrations in the Bible of a, of a Moses and to a Joshua and then a Joshua to Judges, wherever man did that, was, there was no handoff there. It was fumbled and it went goofy. And so you see that in the Bible. You see uh, Elijah and Elisha. And Elisha said, where is the Lord God of Elisha? And that, Elijah, that's a, good, that's a good question. He didn't follow Elijah as much as he's following the Lord God of Elijah. And he won a double portion of the spirit that God put on Elijah. Not trying to do everything just like Elijah does. So these are a couple things that can be done. And I'll just give you a couple thoughts. And I'd like to open up the floor if we can to discuss this if we can. Number one, if you do follow up someone, you better see things God's way or seek the wisdom of God. You want to say, God, how do you want me to handle this? If you're going from an urban, uh, urban environment to a rural environment, a rural environment to an urban environment, you're going from a smaller church to a larger church, you're going from a church in Southern California, as I did, to, to the Midwest, back to Chicago. That, there's a difference of mentality. I need the wisdom of the Lord uh, with what to do, with the, with the complications and the challenges. You, you're going to need to live on your knees and, and learn the prayer, help God, help me, help me, help me. How do you want me to handle this? What do you want me to do? Seeking the wisdom. And aren't you glad that in diverse um, and, and uh, various trials and tribulations that there is a, a, a place to get wisdom where you're not rebuffed? You know, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Of course, Job. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God how. We'll see. Without wisdom. He, he sought the wisdom of God. So I think that is, and wisdom, once again, is really seeing things God's way, okay? And try to evaluate things the way God wants to see it. And you ought to ask yourself, Lord, this is your flock. It's very unique. How do you want me to manage it? What do you want me to do? What does it need? Uh, how do you want me to handle this? Number two, embrace the blessings of your predecessor and accept the, the challenges, okay? Um, I, I, can, I can call my predecessors in both churches and talk to them today. I can call both of them. I have their phone numbers. I have set with them in their settings. Um, I can call them, and I'm not against them. I've had a picture. I have a picture of my predecessor in Hammond in my office today. It's not out in the open because there's controversial challenges, but I have a place in my office where it is where I've looked at it scores and scores of times in prayer. Um, I, I love them. They gave me so many good things when I became their successor. Most of the things they did were good. But sin and immorality created unbelievable complications. And every day I live with the blessings of what they did that were good and the complications of what they did that were wrong. 
And some of you will assume pastorates of people that they didn't do anything wrong. They just did things different. And it may not be the best way moving forward. Okay? They may have had some strong opinions about things that really don't matter. Okay? But you, you need to accept the blessings that come from what they did. I walk into an office I didn't prepare. I just put my books in there. He, they, they, my predecessor built that building. They, he remodeled that. He did the sale and the acquisition of that building that I can work in every day. Uh, when I go out to the Hiles Anderson College, I didn't do anything for that property. I didn't raise the money for that. Now it had, you know, $1.6 million worth of debt when I showed up, and so I've been working on that and trying to get that dealt with. But, but, every, but, but the opportunity, I, I came Johnny come lately. And so I think to personally just say, you know what, I am going to thank God for the blessings. I'd get stressed out building a doghouse. I'm not a builder. I'm not. I, I, I'm, I'm mechanically crippled. And I don't have that, that strength. I could do it. I could probably get through it. But it would be really arduous and challenging. But, and God could help us. But I don't really have to build a building. I have to maintain a lot of buildings. I have to figure out what to do. But most everything I have to deal with has already been there. As far as facilities is, is to do. But I have to learn how to manage that situation. But every time I walk into a, not every time, but many times I walk. I can tell you where I walk and I, and I step on these steps and I go up to my office. And I say, Lord, thank you for this building. How in the world this happened? This is such a gift. You're so good. In this building, we can have a radio station. In this building, we can have offices for our missionaries, FBMI missionaries. In this building, we can have Sunday school classes. In this building, we can have Bible institutes. In this building, we can have, we can have prayer meetings. All week long, this building's used seven days a week. Thank you, Lord, for this building. This is great. And I didn't do anything except for just clean it and maintain it. You know? So I, I got to bless, you know, I can, I can thank Pastor Scott for that. Uh, and people that you pastor oftentimes they love that person they, he fixed their marriage he led them to christ and every once in a while people get into the thing and i i don't i publicly don't mind and i think it's important we give credit even if there was there was disappointing things that concluded that it's just say you know what boy I, we had a missions conference and and i said you know brother scott did such a good job starting uh systematic giving in our church now, when I say that, a few people are like, uh, are you supposed to say his name here? Other people say, thank you, Pastor, for saying his name. He helped me. He started that. Thank you for giving him credit for that. That shows me you're big, Pastor, because you were willing to do that. This is what I hear. But some people are like, oh, no, we can't talk about him because oh, he pastored there 11 years. You know, some of these, some of these folks that, Talk about uh, some things that weren't handled well in the 80s or 90s that I have to deal with today. Yeah, there are some things that could have been handled differently. And, and, and you know, Brother Hiles is like, so yeah, yeah, you worship your legacy, Wilkerson. And I had someone accuse me of that recently. And, you know, you know, you still have a college named after him. You named a building here after him. There's a street in Hammond named after him. I said, well, I didn't do that last part there. We didn't do that. Um, you know, that's the city decided to do that. So... I, I said, but you know, he was our pastor for 42 years. I wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for him. Right. Amen. You know? Did he, did he do everything right? No. No, he didn't. Did he have a son that broke his heart? Absolutely. 
You know, did, uh, did he handle everything that came to him the right, right way? I don't think so. And I said, fast forward 25 years from today when there's another pastor sitting here and there's two other people interviewing them. They will be able to say with 100% accuracy, that Pastor Wilson didn't do everything right when he was here. And the guy interviewing me said, well, yeah, you know, you've got a lot of decisions to make every day. I say, duh. You know. You, you don't make every decision perfect. You don't know what to do sometimes. You know, and yet people were so like, we want to tear down statues of, of you know, people who, who were unbelievable. You know, they sacrificed so very much. And they didn't make mistakes. I said, you know, I'm perfectly comfortable with understanding that every pastor that's ever been, I'm 16th pastor, has been a human being. <laughs> and has, has done wrong. I said, I mean, David in the Bible, he was a known adulterer. He had a man killed. He had kids that broke his heart, embarrassed him, shamed him, tried to take over his kingdom. But I still like to read Psalms 23. 51 and 95, 78. I still like to read those. And I'm, I'm very helped by them. And the guy said, yeah, I can see that. So we just, you, God, that's all he has to work with is human beings. So I think you have to, first of all, thank God for the blessings of your predecessor. And then accept the liabilities. And live with the problems without blaming them all the time. I, I don't know. It's just a thought there. Because there are people, you're there because they're, they were there. We're all just scaffolding, you know. And, and, and friends, this scaffolding's up here today, but it'll probably be taken down next week. It has a purpose for this time, this conference. It's helped him maybe get something set up right there, but after a while you just take it down and fold it away and it goes somewhere else. And that's what I am. I'm a scaffolding for this time, and I'm here to, to, to work with God laboring together with Him for the kingdom of God. And, and one day through cancer or trauma, uh, through a heart attack, a stroke, uh, that God's going to fold me down, put me away and take me on to, to His eternal abode and somebody else will get set up there to work at First Baptist Church of Hammond. And I hope it's a good a transition for me. And I know I haven't done anything right and we make mistakes. But I'm not. why would you spend your life criticizing your predecessor if he didn't do everything the way you like to do you might want to just uh, forget about that and don't verbalize it because when you start throwing mud you're losing ground and you need to love the person that came before you pray for them and I'm gonna uh, I want to be careful I say but I but my predecessor for 11 and a half years was incarcerated and he couldn't be with his dad and I felt bad for his dad. His dad loved him deeply. He was his only son. And so I started writing his dad and calling his dad. And then I started visiting his dad. I visited him just recently on his 90th birthday. And my predecessor called me and said, John, thank you for what you did for my dad. He said, he considers you as pastor. He's got a preacher at his church, but he likes you as his pastor. He said, uh, Thank you for coming. Thank you for writing him. Thank you for coming by and taking him to lunch. He lives about three hours from me, but occasionally to go up and do that while his son was un unable to be there. And I can't do much for his son. I couldn't do much even today. I can't really do much for him, but I can, I can love his dad. 
I could try to build a bridge there, try to love him. And, and we can do that. We can do that. Those are things we can do. And, and, and you realize that sin happens. It gets complicated. But, but you can still love, right? And another two is, is number three is be patient. Be patient. If you assume a church, I don't care who's been there before you, be patient. Don't get in a hurry. Things will change with your personality, your direction, and the Spirit of God will magnify you in the eyes of the people, but it will be through challenges. Be patient. Don't try to change things. Now, everybody knows that, but many guys just get too, they get too excited. And, and uh, they, or they say, my pastor, and he's talking, not talking about you, he's talking about the previous guy. And it gets on your nerves. Well, how long is it going to be like a pastor of this church? You know, you can make, if you'll be faithful and patient, stay low and go slow, no one ever fell off the floor. <laughs> if, if, you can, if you can keep it simple, stupid, and just love the people, be patient, uh, you can make more changes by a suggestion after five years than you can with an act of Congress in the first six months. You know, if you just take your time and just, just love them, love the people. Love them and reach new people. I would say you probably need to spend 20 to 30% of your time on the, on, the, on the people that are there when you get there. You know, Brother Hiles is known years ago because he was there a while, started bringing bus kids, and it was getting the rich people upset. And they said either the bus kids go or, you, or, or we go. And he's known by saying, I'll keep the bus kids, you know. And it's a kind of a, you know, kids even to this day. So thank God he kept the bus kids. I have a bus kid, you know, and everybody. You know what Brother Howells confessed later in private? He said, if I would have been more patient and more wise, I could have kept both and could have done a lot more, a lot faster. But I was too headstrong, too impatient, wanting to conquer, wanting to get another, another kid on the bus, and I didn't take the journey. I didn't take the older folks on the journey with me. I could have had both. I could have just put them in a different setting instead of trying to cram them in the auditorium and have a bigger crowd. I could have, I could have done some things that could make things a little bit easier. You know, you know this truth of the matter is um, be patient when you go to another church and fight off in, in inclinations to change things rapidly. There are some things that need to be changed. I... I uh, when I went there at First Baptist Hammond, we were baptizing children without their parents' knowledge. They, they signed a paper that they would ride a bus, and it said, you know, your child may get baptized on the bus. And I just didn't like it. I felt like if my kid went to a church and you baptized, I want to be there. If they're supposed to get baptized, even if I was unsaved, I would still like to see it. Amen. Not to come home, the kids come home and say, yeah, I got baptized this morning. I felt like, no. So early on, that's one of the big things I, I decided we were going to not baptize children without the parents' permission. Send home a note with this, sign it there, not just a general thing. You can go to church in the small print, your child may get baptized. So, I mean, it's just one of the things that just, it's not a right or wrong thing, but look, we didn't need any more fireworks in Hammond at the time. So I just said, you know, let's, let's don't create more challenges. So that was one of the things I changed early on. Um, and then I made sure that anyone who came forward 
had a very clear gospel presentation. That I felt like sometimes a couple folks rushed it through. I talked to them. I said, look, we can't do that. There's no way. If I would have preached on the gospel the whole time and that person came forward and got saved like that quick, I can understand that. When I'm preaching on, you know, Hannah's cry for a baby and, she come, and he comes down and gets saved that day that quick, there's, we're not giving them enough information. We want, we want to do that. And so there's a couple things I, I very carefully worked on. But, but uh, for the most part, there have been so many changes I wanted to make. So it's like, oh, this is getting stupid. I mean, this is, this is not, not going to happen. I remember the first time I, we, I, I was there just a while, and we, play, we sang the same songs over and over again, you know, just about. I mean, no one even picked their songbook up. They knew it, you know. And, and your church, you, this church sings all the verses. You know, most Baptist churches miss the third verse usually, you know. One guy got in the pulpit and said, I'm as lonely as a third verse in a Baptist hymnal, you know. And, uh, they skipped over that. But, uh, but they kept doing that. And I thought to myself, you know, we got to get another song here. So I got to the pulpit one day and I said, uh, let's sing song number 20. Let's take your song, we'll turn it to song 20. And boy, Mrs. Colston, if you know who she is, she's a little drill sergeant that sits over in the organ. Well, everything, my predecessors did everything by this little piece of paper, you know, this, this order of service, and it was just boom, 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 boom. And I, I went off script, and I did a, called an audible, and I said, let's turn to page number 20. Well, Mrs. Colston about fell off her organ. Uh, she said, he's changing the song. He wants song, t-. She this loud. I mean, the whole auditorium can hear. He wants song 20. Turn to song 20. And she's wanting to cooperate with me, but it just, she lost her mind for a second there. And I thought, I think I just made a mistake here. You know, I had to go to her office on Monday morning and say, Ms. Colson, I'm sorry about that. And uh, she goes, no, Pastor, you're the pastor. We have to make the adjustment. We'll like it your way in time. Yes. <laughs> and now, now we, 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 sing, we, we sing probably eight, nine songs back to back. We, don't, we just have one time of singing. We just sing the whole time. And then we're done, and we don't sing anymore after that. Uh, we just, we don't have stand up and sit down. Nothing wrong with that, but that's just how we do. We just sing all the songs at the same time, and she loves it. She loves it. She plays. But, but it was one of the things that took me a while to, to get, that, get that understood and how we do that, and everything's fine now. So be careful not to make a lot of change. You have to fight that. And if it's not immoral, it's not, not illegal, you probably just need to kind of keep on doing what you're doing. And, and then... Talk about a couple things and, and maybe throw out an idea from time to time with your deacons or if you're going to do something, throw it out, talk about it, and be patient and wait for them. It's always better. It's always better to have a we decision than a me decision, especially in the early days. But that's really all the way. You know, if in a deacons meeting, the first 18 deacons meeting I had at First Baptist Ham was brutal because they had not had full disclosure prior to my coming. Lots of things were not, were not covered. They were not there. So there were several guys that, like, you know, that's never going to happen again on my watch. So every idea I brought up was challenged. Have we sought counsel on that? Have we talked to CLA? What, you know, where did you get this idea? Do you have any proof it will work? I mean, just, boy, whoa, whoa. And I had 90, 90 men in the room, 90 deacons and some of their business owners. And, you know, they just, and, but they, had, they were not ready to accept a leader. And it was miserable. But I had to really fight off. Okay, I said, you know what? It, there's enough. There's enough. Um, there's enough uh, questions about that. I think it's probably best we just table that. Okay, let's do the next thing. What's the next thing we got to do? You know, and just move it on. And sometimes you got tired of doing that. I remember one time 
a guy who was really, you know, just dead set on make sure it doesn't happen again. He, he, I, I brought up something, and then this older guy, that's kind of the, his name, he's with the Lord now, but he said, he said, called his name, he said, buddy, would you shut up? Why don't we just follow a pastor we brought here? Ask him a dumb question every time he brings up an idea. Why don't you just shut up? And, and I wanted to say, amen, you know. But instead, I just said, I said, you know, Brother Dick, thank you for, for trying to defend that situation. But I think a good question, it's okay. I want everybody to have a question, no, no dumb question. If you have something to say, it just may be God's way of just saying it's not time yet. That's okay. Please don't, don't, let, if you have a question, I'd rather you ask it, you know. He said, all right, what's your question, you know. And, you know, just, it, it, but, you know, the, the Lord, now I can go into that digs me and not to say we never have discussion, but it's just, it's easy now. It's easier because time has gone by. We've gone to our battles. We've gone through difficult things. They've seen, they've watched, they've, they've saw the things. Now they're just like, you know, now if, 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 God, if Pastor, you think that's what we need to do, are you pretty sure that's what God wants us to do? I said, you know, I, guys, unless you have a major objection, I do. I really feel like God wants to do that. And they said, we, we do too. Let's trust him. Let's go. And they just do it. You know, it's not always that way. Is that easy? But as time goes on, if you're patient with them on the front end, they'll be patient, more patient with you on the back end. And more can get done much more rapidly. Then um, love the people that are there. And, boy, that's sometimes the case. You're going to, you got to reach people. If you don't reach people, you'll die by attrition. But, but you've got to continue to love the people that, that, that were there when you came. Don't just say, well, you know, don't let the door hit you in the backside on your way out. You know, we can live without you. We got along without you. Listen, you need to learn to embrace them and care for them and put up with their, their challenges and their, their, their obstinance and things of that nature. I think you, you, you want to exercise wisdom on that. And spend time, you know, loving them. Go and visit them. Be careful. Look for needs that they have. I had a guy standing at the door for, I think, the first three months I was a pastor. Every Sunday he stood there, waited till everybody else was gone, and corrected me on something I said in the service. Or said, you know what, you did a pretty good job today, but you, you could have used this verse. It would have backed up that point a little bit better. And there was just several things. I remember raising money to get tracks. And Linda and I gave most of the money to get the tracks. And when I talked about it, people I was so happy about getting these new tracks and Let's get those out to people. And, and he held one in his hand, waited till everybody else left. He said, you know, John, uh, Pastor, uh, I know you're pretty excited about this track, right? I said, yeah, I, I really am. I'm so glad. He goes, you, you don't even have the full gospel on it, brother. You, you, you need to make sure you put this verse and this verse, and it's not in there. You know? and I said, no, I, I think it's in there. You know? He goes, no, no. He goes, you, it's not thorough enough. I said, okay, well, I'll, maybe we can work on that on the next track. You know? And, and uh, I just thought, after a while, I thought to myself, I think more people like me than like you. And I, I, thought, I thought, you know, I'm just getting, it was, I was just wondering, preaching and preparing messages, wondering what is am I going to do wrong today? <laughs> but one day I, he ca I came to the door and he was there again. And, and uh, he said, um, he said, Pastor, um, my wife Sally has had cancer before, but she's, um, I think it's come back. And I've taken all the days off I can do to take her to the doctor. Would you know anyone who would be willing to run her to the doctor on Wednesday so I, I, don't, I can't miss any more work? I said, I can. I, I'll do it. I, my wife and I will do it. Yes, we will, Joe. Let, let us do it. He said, no, 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 you? 
I said, yes, I'll, if you're not comfortable with me, I'll have my wife do it by herself. We'll do it. I want to help you. He said, you would help me. I said, absolutely. And I began taking her. And I prayed. I said, God, please give me some, something I can do to help this, this critic. Amen. You know, I found out he went to Bible college. He's called to preach. He cheated on his wife, first wife. Lost his wife, lost his kids, not even seen his boys. And, and, and they were adults at the time. Remarried Sally. And now this 32-year-old young man's up there preaching every Sunday. And he wished he could have been me. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't like that idea. I went from being a school teacher to a pastor. And he, he had the call of God in his life. I didn't know about that until... We, I uh, watched his wife die, put him in the car, took him to the funeral home, negotiated with the funeral home. He had to pay for the funeral himself. So I talked to the funeral director. I said, listen, do you have a casket that maybe has a dent or a scratch that we could maybe get a little discount on? And I remember just walking him through that, planning the service, talking and burying the, ba the body, working him through those next few months of sorrow, difficulty. And that guy never did ask me another thing after that, that day. Never told pointed another. Matter of fact, he could have been a publicity agent for me. I think I could have preached heresy and he would have agreed with it. <laughs> he just, he just, I became a zero to a hero over an opportunity to do. And, you know, whenever uh, he got married again, I was there to perform his ceremony. Was there when he, when I, when he met his new wife. When he moved from our area, before he left, he said, Pastor, I want to get you a car. It wasn't a brand new car, but it was a car I used for many years as a pastor. Gave it to my son. He used it. And gave it away to another assistant pastor after I left to use it. And he bought it for me. And, you know, it just, it's just working with people, and it's just being patient. And remember, the hurting people kind of hurt people. Okay, our time's just about up. Real quickly, anybody have something you feel like could be helpful? Brother Arbo, what comes to your mind that you could share with us real quickly on this topic? Anything? No? No, it's not. Yeah, I think so. Brother Arhernis, what comes to your mind, brother, as you listen to this topic? Yeah. The listen, the predecessor, if you're going to, the predecessor has such great responsibilities because everything the new guy will do, they will listen to him and look at you. What do you think about that? They'll watch your wife, her countenance. They'll watch you. They'll watch if you laugh when he says something. They'll ask how you respond to a change. And you've got to zip your lip. And you've got to support the pastor. And you've got to make sure everyone knows that's my pastor. Let's talk to pastor about that. Oh, I'm not your pastor anymore, buddy. I got a pastor too. We're going to follow him. And if it's not illegal and immoral, boy, you need to do that. And if you're ever, if you're ever able to stay in a church or if you have to go on, I always like it when people naturally can stay and, and let the grace of God work it out, you know, rather than try to, oh, no, you, you can't stay here and do pastor. By the way, uh, try not. If you, if you assume and the pastor can stay and there will be, the, do it, embrace him. 
and love them, encourage them. The people will admire you as much, and, and will, will, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of strength that can be given to you in those early stages by doing that, too. Anybody else had a thought about that? Brother Newman, anything come to your mind? Okay, all right. Pastor, thank you very much. man that's afraid of many things in this world I have had bears charge me three of them I ate them they didn't eat me I, I tell people that I you know people have a flight and fight response I don't have a flight response I just it doesn't exist in me God I think I'm broken uh, but there's only there is there is one person in this world that that I'm afraid of and that's Mrs. Colston and uh, uh, I believe I believe Pastor Wilkerson might be the most fearless man I've ever met in my life. I'll never forget. I got to tell a funny story. Then we'll, we'll pray. When I was in Bible college, we had a class every semester called uh, Church Education, and I was in Church Education eight eight semester eight year eight years. Uh, every year, as a, if you're a pastoral uh, uh, student, you had to be in Church Education, and uh, once a year. Uh, Mrs. Colston came and taught all the men. Do you remember that preacher? Did that happen when you were in Bible college on how to have, how to run a, uh, a wedding rehearsal? And she would come. Now, church education, big class, the whole chapel, bunch of men goofing off and messing around, a bunch of young college guys. And, you know, they give the, they give the teacher a hard time. But when Mrs. Colston walked in, you could hear a church mouse uh, pass gas in the auditorium. Uh, I, pray, I praise God for Mrs. Colson. I love, I love Brother Johnny. He's in heaven now. And I'll never forget when he came to see us after my daughter was born. And uh, it was the time when the house had passed. I was, was soon to pass. He was uh, sick. And well, I'll tell you, such a good man, such a faithful man. And I love Mrs. Colston, but man, every, every church needs one, uh, but every pastor uh, has to learn how to how to deal with that, amen. And uh, praise God, thank you so much. And what's well, some good stuff? I wanna I wanna find out something real quick. How many of you men? I know many of your church planners, preacher mentioned. I was I was looking around, counting heads a little bit. How many of you men right now, uh, either right now or at some point in the past, you became or are now the pastor of a church uh, that there was a pastor before you? Would you put your hands up? That's a lot of men. That's a lot. Put your hands down. How, how many of you men uh, pastor a work that uh, God led you and your family to plan? It was a church plan, and you're pastoring that work now, the only church you've ever pastored. There's a few of us here, uh, not as many. Can you put your hands down? How many of you men uh, are not pastors right now? I'm not uh, all of you. You're not a pastor. You're not a pastor. Especially you men are the men that need to listen to what Pastor Wilkerson gave you. Amen. You say, Pastor, I, I'm not pastoring. God might have other plans. God might want you to do so. And boy, I'd say how wonderful to have that wonderful, wonderful truth to help you. And that's great. Let's go ahead and pray uh, for our meal. And uh, we're going to, I believe things are probably ready. Uh, Brother, Brother Brian, would you come and lead us in prayer for the, for the meal, if you would? Appreciate Brother Coldwell. Uh, he, he steals a large portion of my church members every week, uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, we have a lot of students that go to the Christian school there, and I appreciate uh, his labor. 
uh, appreciate the battles that he has fought for you and for us, and that he's still fighting, and uh, uh, got a meeting. When is it, preacher? When's the meeting? Have you said it yet? I know it's coming soon. No, yeah, I asked him to pray for that. Yeah, and uh, so be praying for them, but I appreciate it. About the cold will, as I said, many of our young people go to the Christian school there and appreciate New Testament Baptist Church. And those of you that came this week, thank you so much. Uh, Brother Brian, would you pray for a meal, please? I sure will. It's good to be 